Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Shashank, and thank you for tuning in to Tackling the World for today's topic, abortion. Today we are joined by Nitya Venkat, a senior in high school, and she will be sharing her perspective on abortion. So it's my pleasure to welcome Nitya. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well myself. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh yeah, no problem. Nothing else to do, so... Awesome. So let's just start off simple. Um, I'm going to start off with a simple question. So what are your views on abortion? Sure. Yeah. Um, First of all, like I am obviously from everyone who knows me knows that I am pro-choice, but Mm -hmm. it comes less of like a religious or like a moral thing and more of like a respect of bodily autonomy. Like we should give somebody who is pregnant the right to decide whether or not they want to have that baby. And Uh it really doesn't have to do whether it's a life or not. For me, it comes from the idea of just like giving people the ability of what they want to do with their bodies and not having that be a government question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So your whole thing is, you know, just giving people, you know, the freedom to do what they want to do with their own body and not have other people question it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So do you think the government should have the power to regulate abortion? Um. I think that the government should, I think that like saying the government has the power to regulate like your own autonomy, like sets sort of dangerous precedents because they could then say like, you can't get piercings or like not to say like that's the next jump, but it's about setting the precedent in like the respect we give to like individuals, right? Because we live in a free society, we live in a democracy and that means like Mm -hmm. you can make your own choices as long as they're not like harming others' well-being. Yes. Um. So now moving into some of, you know, the the anti-abortion people, people who are pro-life. Um, so do you believe that human life begins at conception? Um, personally, no, I do not believe that human life begins at conception because, you know, like at that point, uh, somebody else is still responsible for you. Like it's not like expressing its own thoughts, not expressing its own actions. Like it's still mm-hmm. a sperm and an egg. It's a zygote. Like it's not to me, it's not a human. Mm-hmm. But uh, so then at what stage of development do you think that human life begins? I think human life begins after a child is born, like when it mm-hmm. in the womb and like it's like outside and can cry and can like kick and like when it's no longer dependent on the mother or whoever else, whoever is carrying the baby to like live. So when you so when there's a woman who is pregnant, sometimes the baby is kicking in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that that child inside of the mother's womb is not alive? Um, I'm saying it's alive, but I'm saying at that point, it's not like it still needs the mother to eat for it. It still needs the mother to give it nutrients like it's not its own being like it's still connected to mm-hmm. the mother. So to me, like that's not a human life. So, so you think it's morally okay for somebody to, to, to get an abortion, to kill something that is literally kicking inside of your own stomach? Um, I'm, I don't think it's like, I'm not saying it's morally like amazing. Like it's obviously not like an amazing decision to make, but I think that we, mm-hmm. need, we need to understand like nobody would, very few people would make that decision out of malice. And I think uh-huh. like, if a woman needs to make the decision, it's not for me or my personal beliefs to question. Okay. So, um, Shouldn't the father of a future baby have a say in the abortion of their child or shouldn't it at least be an equal decision, uh, meaning both must consent to it? Because I know that, you know, many people, um, m- many women are get pregnant due, due, due to some horrible acts by men. Mm-hmm. But at a, at a time when, you know, maybe, you know, husband and wife or uh, two partners uh, 
get pregnant, but one suddenly decides that they don't want it. Um, do you think it's okay for the mother to get an abortion even when the father maybe wants to keep the child? Um, you know, like, I think it's an interesting question. I think it's important conversation. Like, um, if I, like, I think that what's interesting in the abortion argument is like, even though I might have my personal beliefs, that personal belief doesn't influence what I believe policy should be. Like, even mm-hmm. if I individually believe that I would consent with, like, the father of my child, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I would expect every single person to do that. Or because, like, at the end of the day, pregnancy is something that's different than any other action because the woman solely bears the physical burden of having the child and, like, carrying it and being pregnant, right? Which there's a lot of physical burden involved. We learn about that in science. Yeah. So, like, legally i don't think that the father should have to consent because at the end of the day like the woman is the one putting her body through that but like yeah. in a personal sense i would obviously suggest to anyone like if the father wants to be involved in like there should be a conversation but i think legally it shouldn't be a consent like the man shouldn't have to consent for an abortion to occur now you see that the woman takes a lot of it it takes a lot of work to bear a child yeah now, don't you think that the father puts in maybe not just the same amount of pain, but puts in a lot of effort to make sure, you know, maybe the mother is safe, sound, you know, helping the mother. So don't you think the father also plays a critical role and should and because of that, that should have a say? I think that if after your child is born and like the child's development and the child's physical safety, then yes, the father does a lot. But in terms of pregnancy, like scientifically, the woman is bearing the sole burden, like they're the ones holding the babies in their stomach. And while the father might bear some emotional burden and like trying to protect like whoever is mm-hmm. having a child, like I think that scientifically, like the woman bears the sole burden because they are the ones with the babies in their like stomachs, you know. Yeah, and you know, you so you say that you know, uh, abortion is a part of a woman deciding what she wants to do with her own body, and you know, many pro-life people think that that's probably a very cruel thing, meaning that, you know, if you do get an abortion because they believe that, you know, life starts at conception Mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, there is scientific proof that the baby is still alive inside of you. You can still feel pain, Um, maybe not to the rigor that we might or may not because it still doesn't have a conscience that much yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, they still feel that pain. So they think that it's cruel for you to be able to do that. And, you know, we sort of, you know, you know, went over that question and quickly moved on. But I feel like it's an important place to, you know, keep that conversation going because it's still a human being that we're talking about. Right. So don't you think that we should put in a lot of focus into what we can do to make sure that, you know, maybe abortion is not a regular thing or it's not used so often? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that this sort of involves like a cultural shift. Like it needs to start with having more comprehensive sex education, you know, beyond just saying don't have sex. Like beyond just like I took abstinence until marriage education um, in my high school. Mm -hmm. And like, not that that was bad. I think that you need to go a little bit deeper because like, I think there's a statistic that's like 60% or 50% of teenagers are sexually active, even though we tell them not to, right? We need to Uh start saying like, even if you're going to, here are ways to protect yourself. Here are free Mm -hmm. contraceptives, free birth control, right? And then we go to the next step. If you do have a child, making sure that it's affordable, because the reality is a lot of people can't afford to birth a child. Like, you know, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. And then going to the next step. If you are poor, like, and you do have a child, here are ways to take care of it. Here's universal health care. Here's education for your child. Here's a society in which the child will have a good life, right? These Mm -hmm. are all steps that need to be taken to make sure that we don't have to have abortions. But that's a huge cultural shift that needs to happen. So I'm saying right now with the society that we have, 
we don't have a huge support system in place that gives people the ability to have children with no worry, you know, like yeah. the United States is the highest maternal mortality rate, like in the developed world. So it's mm -hmm. like another, it's a life threat, right? So I'm saying because of the culture that we live in, because we don't have a lot of support systems in place for people who are pregnant and people who want to have children, we need to be okay with legalizing abortion so that mm -hmm. we can make sure that the, the babies that are coming into the world are ones that are wanted and ones that are supported. So, um, you know, um, many pro-life people say that, you know, if you if you are a woman and you choose to have sex with another person and you become pregnant and you decide to, you know, you and you and you decide to get an abortion and, you know, obviously they don't want you to do that. But they say that it's based off of your stupidity that you didn't decide to use any protection, mm -hmm. you know. So what do you say about that? Do you think that, you know, just people need to be more conscious about what they do? Um, you know, like, again, it's not for me to judge their decisions, right? Like, people obviously should be more conscious of what they do. But to punish somebody with a child, I think is draconic, like, to say, because you were stupid, you have to have a baby. That's not the type of society that we live in. Like, yeah, they were stupid. And yeah, they should be punished. But like, not punished, but yeah, they should be stupid. And they should like, have to deal with consequences. But to say that baby is a consequence is mm -hmm. we don't live in we, that's medieval. And I think that a lot of um, people who are pro-life, like, have this rhetoric that people get abortions and just, like, are okay with it, right? No, like, mm -hmm. to, having an abortion is takes a severe mental toll. Like, I don't think anybody would just, like, have it and be okay with it, right? Like, mm -hmm. nobody is just, like, happy to go get an abortion. And I think, like, a lot of that sensitivity is missing in this argument. And also, like, I do want to clarify, like, um, a lot of our language is very women-centric, but women, like, biological, like, the gender women aren't the only people who have pregnancies like trans men have pregnancies so like women aren't the only ones being affected like and oftentimes trans men who get pregnant by whatever means are often like stigmatized even more from like having that baby or having an abortion like mm -hmm. it's just important to be inclusive but like i think that to say because you didn't take the right actions we're going to have a child is backwards and primitive and i don't think that's the way our society has ever functioned and i don't think we should start functioning that way now uh, could you go into more on the impact of trans men? Yeah, so like I put, um, I think when I first started discussing this, like everyone who follows my Instagram knows that I'm like really loud. But um, I said like a lot of our language is very like trans exclusive. We say like men shouldn't be making decisions about women's bodies. You know, like a lot of people use that argument. But at the end mm -hmm. of the day, women aren't the only one getting pregnant. Trans men do get pregnant too because they have uteruses and like they have like you know, sexual interrelations with people who, like, they can get pregnant, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're excluded from the argument. And, like, trans people getting healthcare in general is, like, it's difficult because their bodies aren't, like, normal. And, like, in general, there's a lot of transphobia in the United States. And a lot of times we exclude them from our reproductive rights arguments, even though, like, they continuously show up to fight for, like, feminism. And they're at the Women's March and they're there. But we, con we consistently exclude them from our discussions about, like, women's bodies you know mm -hmm. yeah and and do you think the government is doing enough to help you know bridge that gap um i don't think that they're doing enough because i think you know discussing like being transgender and i think discussing those things should be in our health classes because like there are a lot of people who i know could like benefit from those things like learning about it and learning about their bodies and like learning about different sexualities and like i think a lot of times we exclude those who aren't the norm 
and it mm-hmm. ends up hurting a lot of people. So I think the government needs to do more. You know, we recently saw like um, Trump is trying to exclude trans people from getting care in some act. Like, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think that yeah. we need to be more okay with like becoming more inclusive in our rhetoric and in our policy to make sure that we're not excluding people who don't fit our idea of like normal genders. And and what could specifically the government do to improve? Um, in terms of like, I think it needs to start with like education, you know, like, like we talked about for reducing the need for abortions, we need mm-hmm. to increase the awareness for people to like understand things about like trans bodies, because the reality is, is this reproductive rights argument isn't exclusive to biological men and biological women. It extends mm-hmm. across the gender spectrum, across the sexuality spectrum. You need to be more okay having those conversations. And that starts with having a more like well-versed public who's comfortable talking about these things, you know, because not mm-hmm. only is it a lack of comfort, it's also a lack of like knowledge, you know, not a lot of us know what it takes to be transgender, or, like the hormones involved, right? And like, we don't need to know in depth about those things. We just need to be okay with learning about it and being okay mm-hmm. having those conversations. So, so you think uh, this education should be mandatory? I think sex education and education about like this, these type of things in general should be mandatory. Yes. Okay. Um, so now moving on, uh, what do you think about abortion being tied to religious values here in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. I understand, like, again, like I was saying, there is a difference between having a personal view on this topic and a political view. Like, if you personally are Christian and you don't want to get an abortion, that's a different conversation. But to allow that to influence our politics and, like, the legislation that we pass and what happens in our courts would go would like go beyond like what we have as the ideas like the separation of church and state right like mm-hmm. even though i'm a hindu like it doesn't mean i want hindu doctors to be put in place in the government it just means that i practice that in my own life so mm-hmm. like i think it goes back to the most basic argument it's the reason why we don't regulate christianity being taught in schools and we don't have like christianity regulated in general or religions being taught to our children on a mass scale because we have the separation of church and state and the ability to practice whatever religion you want or even not practice a religion so mm-hmm. i think that Politics in general being tied to political, like religious values is against the ideals of the U.S. But I think abortion is really where that sort of epitomized. People say, because I'm a Christian, I don't think abortion should be legalized. But that's your political, that's your personal view. It's not a political mm-hmm. view. Um, so now talks, so now talking about religion, um, in Hinduism, there are varying views on abortion. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on Hinduism and abortion? This is really interesting because I didn't like research this until now, like, because, like, mm-hmm. for me, like I said, like, I don't, my religion doesn't, about, like, influence my political, like, stance. But um, I was researching with a friend of the, who is Hindu. And mm-hmm. in general, Hinduism says, like, obviously, all life is sacred. You know, you and I both know that. Yeah. But there's an interesting doctrine in Hinduism that says we have to take the action that has the least amount of harm involved. So, and that's to the yeah. mother, the fetus, and society. Mm-hmm. So, that sort of comes into play. Like, if the baby isn't going to have a positive and good life because the parents don't want it or the parents can't afford to support it. And or like the mothers might be in a bad situation, then Hinduism says abortions are okay. You know, not necessarily the best action you could take in the world, but they're saying it's acceptable because we're minimizing the amount of harm done. Yeah. And, you know, this is much different from many other religions because most religions do just just say, you know, no abortions, you know, life is life, things like that. But Hinduism stands a little bit differently from other major religions in the world. And Hinduism, like, I think, you know, there's Shashank as well, like, it's mm-hmm. not about like dictating what you can and can't do with your life. It's about making sure you're living a life that's like honest and good. And like, are you giving back to society and are you taking good actions? It's less of like a religion. And like my mom says it to me all the time, like 
it's not a religion it's a way of life you know like yep i say that all the time too yep it's a way of life yeah i mean i think that resonates around the whole hindu community yeah for sure um, mm -hmm. and you know so like when i'm talking about um education uh with you know sex education and things like that. Um, some people say that, you know, there's no need for an abortion because you keep saying that, you know, people who, uh, who are pregnant and aren't able to care for the, uh, care for the child, mm -hmm. that child goes on to, goes on to government custody, right. And they go into foster care or they are set up for adoption, things like that. And I know that when I say this, you know, you're probably going to say how broken that system is. And I know yeah. how broken, you know, that system might be so don't you think that if the government or congress passes legislation to make the foster care or adoption system much better and not as corrupt or not as broken do you think that we do you think by then we could just uh remove all abortions because then we wouldn't have we wouldn't need them um so i don't here's the thing like obviously the reason for okay like let me just okay the reason for bettering the foster care system should be the should be to better the foster care system, not to make sure we don't have a need for abortions, right? Mm -hmm. Those are two separate things. Like people who are like, we should just want to better a foster care system in general because it's so broken. Yeah. But I don't think that if we make it better, we can get rid of abortions because abortions oftentimes aren't just financial decisions, they're medical decisions. You know, mm -hmm. women sometimes can't bear children or they can't like they might pass away because of it. Like like I said. U.S. is the highest rate of maternal mortalities, like in in the developed world. It's not and, and 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 those are exceptions. I mean, even pro life supporters say that you know, if the if the mother's life is in danger, then in rare circumstances, yes, abortion is crucial and is necessary. But you know, what if you know that wasn't necessary at all? I mean, I mean, sure, I mean but at the uh, end of the day, it's still mm -hmm. a physical toll that the mother is taking. You know, a lot of women suffer a lot during pregnancy. There's postpartum depression. It's not just you cut the umbilical cord and it's done. Mm -hmm. Like, And I don't know, I use this analogy a lot when I'm talking to people, but like in the United States, we have a mandate of bodily autonomy. It's the reason why you have to check whether or not you want to be a donor. And if you said you don't want to be an organ donor, it doesn't matter if people will die if they don't get your organs. They cannot put your organs in another person's body, even though you're dead. Yeah. Right. We have this thing of bodily autonomy and I don't know why we can't, extend that to people who are literally doing the greatest amount of labor possible, which is having a child, you mm -hmm. know, beyond just giving birth, beyond just the possibility that you might die. It is such a physical burden that I feel like if somebody doesn't want to do that, they should not have to. And uh -huh. not just like a, ba a balanced thing, because the women who are most likely to die in pregnancy are black women, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people, like people who live in poor minority communities are more likely to pass away from like having a like having a child and that doesn't have to do with extreme cases or life is in danger that's while they're giving birth you know yeah and so like it's this compounding of things that leads us to like one conclusion like if you do not want to bear a child you should not have to okay and so moving on, there are currently six states mm -hmm. where they allow minors to get an abortion. Do you support regulation requiring all abortion clinics to inform the child's parents before an abortion? This is actually like a really tough question. I thought about this and like, I honestly just don't have an answer. Um, I think that, you know, like it makes sense why they would require a, the information like to inform a child to get an abortion. 
But I can also understand how people like don't want that to happen, you know, like for the Well, technically under the law, minors are minors, meaning that their parents basically (laughs) control everything that goes on in their lives because they're minors and they're not able to do that themselves. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't just make sense under the law for all, all, all abortion clinics to inform the child's parents. I think that under the law, that would make sense. But I think like, so when you think about it, like before abortions were allowed, um, like women had illegal abortions that weren't very safe. And my concern is, I'm not saying this would happen, that if they required, you know, you know, the abortion clinics to tell parents, I think mm-hmm. that children would go an unsafe route to have an abortion. Okay. And it would be like worse. And I'm not saying that that's what will happen. I'm just saying like, my concern is that if we require abortion clinics to tell parents if their like child is had an abortion, I'm worried that safe abortions won't happen. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't that just be a very small, small number of cases? I don't Compa- have, like, I don't know. It's, I like, again, like, I don't, I'm not saying that this is like, I'm just saying that's my concern. That's my concern with banning abortions in general. It's not mm-hmm. that abortions won't happen. It's that safe abortions won't happen. Yeah. Um, so moving on, that was only one question based off of that topic. Um, so moving on, in an age where we champion equality, isn't it ironic that we don't provide equality for an unborn human being? Um, I think it's ironic in an age where we champion equality that we're still having discussions about what people who are pregnant can do with their bodies. Like, I think that is like the greatest irony like in an age where we champion for rights i think it's ironic that people are so concerned about having children in ways Mm -hmm. that like in in that they might not be supported like we're talking about this age and where we champion equality but we don't have a society that seems to like support that you know yeah and you know if you're a supporter of if you're a supporter of equality Mm -hmm. shouldn't you be providing equality to the child who's kicking around in a a mother's stomach yeah, no, finish your question. Finish your question. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. So That's it. Mm-hmm. in my personal belief, like everything I've supported is like trying to create a better society in general, right? It's about like having, you know, universal health care and having better schooling systems and having a society in which people aren't discriminated against, you know? And we haven't yeah. reached that yet. Like to be clear, we are not in that era. We are we do not mm-hmm. have an equal, fair, just society in which anybody can live equally. And so mm-hmm. like for pro lifers to focus on the rights of an unborn child over the mother bearing that child you know like we don't have we don't have mandatory maternal leave like yet you know we don't have like mm-hmm. a court system that allows mothers to easily like have children and adjust to society and pay for it all you know like my mentality is let's create a society that is equal and fair for those currently living in it and then we can discuss the rights of an unborn child because mm-hmm. that unborn child is still requiring its mother or like the person carrying it to do everything right like yeah women I mean mothers eat for their children and they like provide oxygen and nutrients like it's not its own thing yet so to me like this question like yeah it's a it's an interesting logic discussion to have like what rights do unborn fetuses have but Mm -hmm. at the same time like we need to look beyond and think why why might people want abortions what are the reasons beyond just financial Mm -hmm. is it because they won't get maternal leave is it because we don't have a fair and just society is it because we don't have like because having children is expensive like we need to look beyond that before we can say don't have an abortion. Yeah. Um, so 
this is the, the so this is my fi- this is my fi- this is my final question sorry i started there a lot um i know that i haven't had time to ask many questions and this podcast episode is a lot more shorter than the other ones mm-hmm. um just for the viewers to realize this is a very you know sensitive topic and there's only so many questions you can ask i mean i researched this for a whole week and these are all the questions that i could think of and every time i think of new questions i just sort of ask the same exact thing it's a very straightforward topic but there's a lot of things a lot of you know basic questions that are that, that, that have huge discussions so um it's very difficult to ask a lot of questions like the other topics like the, the democratic presidential debate or some or your or, or universal healthcare. so it's a lot different uh with this topic so with my final question um and you know if we if you talk about something interesting we can go off and um, asking more mm-hmm. um, in the cases of rape and incest why should the unborn child Mm-hmm. have to pay for something that they didn't do wrong. Mm-hmm. Um I don't believe that um So, but can you just like explain this question? Do you mean like if the parent has an abortion or doesn't? Uh if the parent does. So, I think that this is an interesting question, right? Like in the cases of rape and incest, like we're saying if you have an abortion, why should that child have to suffer with its life, right? Yeah. But the reality is is like it's because not just like Trauma in rape and incest victims is so deeply ingrained that if that Mm -hmm. child is born, it won't, for to my knowledge or what I believe, I don't think it'll be raised in the safest, healthiest, happiest way it could be. Because that Mm -hmm. child will be a walking reminder of the trauma that happened to the victim. So Mm -hmm. if they don't pay with their life, they'll pay with the quality of life they have outside of the womb. So like, I think that that's like the crux of this argument, right? Like, it's life versus quality of life. Yeah, we can have as many lives as we want and we can say that those are good things, but unless we measure what kind of lives these children are happening are having, then it's mm-hmm. not like worth discussing. Like nobody is saying, like nobody on the pro-choice side is saying like killing babies is good and we ought to do it and it's just amazing and it should be the thing that happens. But what people are saying is if we can't provide these children with a good quality of life, then it's mm-hmm. not worth having that child. What's the point of putting the mother through nine months of emotional and physical stress to have a mm-hmm. child, have her not be able to go on maternity leave, have her not be able to send it to a good school, have it suffered through poverty, have it not like be able to like live a good, happy and healthy life? Like, what is the point of that? You know, so like, yeah. I think that that is the crux of the argument. You know, like, I'm not saying that this child should have to pay for the act of rape or incest, but mm-hmm it shouldn't have to pay with its life after it's born, you know, like, it's not like, even if she puts it up for adoption or whatever, like, like, we know, our adoption system is broken. Like, there's so many layers to this. And unless we can guarantee that child, a child will have a good quality of life. I don't think somebody should be forced to bear it or go through the months of pregnancy to have that child. But even if the child is born into a possibly unsafe place, mm-hmm. I mean, the child is still alive and will have a future. Right? Yeah, sure. Like my dad always says this. My dad like always say like life finds a way, and like to some extent I agree. But mm-hmm. to what extent will I find a way? And like I think it's selfish for us to say like that child will have a future if we can't guarantee that future will be good. Like if it gets it, if if there are external factors that create like bad mental health, that's different. But if we know that a mother can't afford to have a baby or is a rape victim and won't be able to raise her child to the best of her ability without reminding her of her trauma, then we can't. Mm-hmm. We, we, like we being two people who aren't in the situation, can't point at her and say, have the baby. Yeah. Like, 
I personally, if something like that happened to me and I know that maybe I have a good support system, maybe I'll be able to have the baby and maybe I'll be able to provide with a good life, that's different. But how can I expect that out of anybody else? I think that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to, right? Not only is it my moral belief, it's the question of how can I place my moral beliefs on everybody else? Like Sarah Palin, I think she tried to come out about this abortion topic where she found out her baby had Down syndrome. Uh-huh. She said, I chose to have the baby. Sarah mm-hmm. Palin, you chose to have it. That's that's the that's the key word. Like you knew your child you was born with it with the, like a, a a disability or a Down syndrome, and mm-hmm. you chose to have it. Like that's the difference. She was in a situation where she had the finances and the support system to have a baby with Down syndrome, and like bless her for doing that because that's a beautiful thing to do. But mm-hmm. to expect that out of every woman, or like to expect that out of everybody, I think is overreach. Is government overreach? Because it's not the government to tell us you can do this or you can't do this when the government isn't there to provide us with those resources. Yep. And I think it's important for everybody who's listening and just people in general to realize that everybody's situation is different Mm -hmm. and everybody's mindset is different. And, you know, what you may think uh, may not be the same as what they think because they're going through something totally different from you are. There's something that you have not experienced. So yeah. it's, you know, it's very difficult for uh, for them to see other people making criticisms of them when they haven't gone through the same exact, you know, horrible or horrible or, you know, tragic or hard experiences they have. Yeah. And um, I see a lot of people, people I know saying like, um, this is a like men are like regulating women's bodies. But I think it's important to note, like not only this, this might be a gender thing, but it's also a class thing. Like. Um, in Alabama, for example, where they signed the fetal heartbeat bill, which was super uh-huh. controversial, the governor of Alabama who signed it is a woman. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so I think it goes beyond just like, you know, if you're wealthy and you're like, not to be like, not to bring race into this, but usually like well, white people are wealthier, you know, like um, mm-hmm. if you're like of a higher class and of a higher status, then it's probably easier for you to care less about what might happen because you're, you have a support system. But poor women, minority women, indigenous women, like those same support systems don't always exist. So I think. And yeah. yeah. And, 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 and for those governors, it's also a lot of politics. I mean, they may have a different view, but they chose to be in a certain party and they chose to run a certain campaign and Mm -hmm. now they're stuck with it. So, you know, there's also that involved as well. Yeah. That that greediness to be in politics. Like, I think like we discussed, like, we both like are Hindus, right? And we have our own mm-hmm. beliefs because we are like we're Hindus and because we we're raised in Indian families, immigrant families, like we have our own beliefs. But yeah. I think what it comes down to is like my beliefs dictate my life, but they don't dictate others' lives. Which is mm-hmm. why we grant autonomy, like the government grants us autonomy to live our lives the way we believe they should be lived. You know, yeah. it's different if I like murder somebody, yeah, like that's bad. Like the government can tell me no. But if it's different for me saying like I do not want to put myself through nine months of pregnancy when I cannot guarantee a good life for this child. Mm-hmm. So that's you, why, yeah. Yep. yeah. No, yep. And I, um, I think that, like I said, there's a sensitivity part to this argument as well, because I think a lot of people call it murder, which, yeah, fine, go ahead, call it murder. But murder is like the, like, I don't know, like, murder is the intention to, to intention to, like, do something malicious. And I don't think anybody who has an abortion has been like, oh, let me hurt my fetus, you know, because at that point, the fetus is still, like, in your body, you know, like, I yeah. think calling it murder or calling it, or to act like it's intentional harm, I think washes over the emotional state of a lot of these people who go get abortions. Like, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, but like, isn't it also, I mean, it it, it is intentional. I mean, you're not going into an abortion not knowing it. No, it's intentional that you're trying to like not have a baby, but I don't think nobody is intentionally trying to harm their baby is what I'm trying to say. 
I mean, I mean, I, I, I can see what you're saying and I understand, but mm-hmm. the way you worded it, I mean, you said that they're not intentionally trying to harm the baby when in reality you are, you are intentionally harming the baby. Um, I don't think anybody like wants to do pain to their fetus. Like nobody wants yeah. their fetus to suffer as it like is aborted. Right. Because mm-hmm. like people who are doing this, like are doing it because they can't give their children good lives. Yeah. You know, so I think that, like, I think part of this argument or part of this conversation needs to be bringing a sense of emotional sensitivity to the table. And, like, mm-hmm. like when we're discussing with people who want to get abortions or, like, we're not making it seem as if they're bad and selfish people because nobody, like, is doing this out of selfishness, you know? Yeah. They're sometimes doing it out, out, out to protect themselves. Yeah. From whatever may come forward. Yeah. Um, so, so last thing, um, I know we talked about a lot, uh, but I'm going to just give you a couple of minutes to say something that you want the listeners today to stick with something that you think is very important that they should know and should take away from today. I think that the most important thing to take away from this argument is when we have conversations about things like abortion, about things that have to do with our personal bodies and our own, like the way that we express control over our bodies. It's not for anybody else's beliefs to tell us how we ought to live. Like, if you don't want an abortion, that's that's fine. Like, don't get an abortion. But mm-hmm. to put an expectation onto all others who don't have the same circumstances as you is, I don't know the exact word, but it's like, a, it's, it's overreaching and it's not like pretentious, but it's like assumption. Like, you're making assumptions about their situation, like, that they might be able to have that child in the same way that you might be able to. So just mm-hmm. important to be conscious and be empathetic of everybody's situation and understand why people are supporting abortions. It's not because we want babies to die. It's because we want to have a society in which all babies that are born are wanted and are supported. Yep. And, you know, thank you for that. And before we close off, um, Nithya, I want to thank you for coming on the show and having a really productive conversation with me on abortion. Um, I know I threw a lot of questions uh, from the other side, from the pro-life side at you. That's mm-hmm. the whole purpose to see how you would answer to them, uh, mm-hmm. to see, you know, what kind of, 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 of a discussion that we can bring out. And I thought that this was really good. I know I learned some new things as well. And I know that, you know, people who are listening might have learned something new. Uh, so it's great to hear your perspective. Um, also, a quick shout out to speech and debate teams. Um, no one in specific, but no matter what school you attend, what high school you attend, I'm fairly positive that they have a speech and or debate team. Uh, these clubs allow you to improve your research and speaking skills, which are crucial to any career you decide to take in. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be politics. It doesn't have to. You don't have to be a professional speaker. It could be anything. You know, researching and being able to speak well is super important. Um, you can all. You also get the opportunity to speak and debate about the very topics that we discuss here on the show. So it's a great way to develop your own opinion and to also listen to others' opinions as well. So if, you're, so if you are interested, make sure you find out more information at your high school. And finally, I want to thank all of you listeners for taking the time out of your day to help bridge the political divide. Our next podcast uh, will be next Monday, uh, the 9th of May. So be sure to tune in for another awesome guest and great discussion. Until then, thank you, and I'll see you all next week.